Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak, the podcast. I'm your host, Elena Fox. Hey guys, I hope you're doing really well in this moment in time. And that whenever and wherever you happen to be, while you trip the light fantastic across the Milky Way galaxy, I hope that you are able to laugh, 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 laugh. I hope you're able to laugh at the funny circumstances that we all happen to be in together and that you're able to laugh at yourself and that you're able to laugh in general. They do say that laughter is the best medicine and indeed it can be true for many things. If you learn that everybody in the world has gone through pretty much more or less the things you've gone through. Maybe you've gone through some very unique things, but overall, we have all had heartache. We have all had disappointment. We have all felt betrayed. We have all uh, been rejected. We have gone through all of the things that everybody else has gone through. We're not alone in the universe. We're not even alone in our city or on our block. We're not unique in the way that nobody else on earth has ever felt the kind of pain that you felt. And that should be of some comfort to you. And if you learn to laugh at the fact that other people have gone through the same thing, then you will be one step closer towards healing the inner child that has been wounded and you will heal all of the things that you need to heal in your life pretty much. I have uh, always been one to laugh. I have been in dire straits many times in my life. I've always gone out of it, come out of it. Uh, mostly with flying colors. I was abused as a child and I never really wanted to go to the darker things and I didn't want to face my deeper emotions. I am an empath, so (laughs) those emotions run pretty damn deep. And I remember giving my um, parents, my mom and my grandma and grandpa, I would give them cards every year that were funny, always trying to make them laugh, you know? And my mom one day said some comment to me, like, you don't like to give the deeper cards or, or, you know, something like that. Not really, not that she didn't say the word deeper, but she said, you don't like to give the cards 
with all the feelings do you? I'm like, oh no, uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh. And I know that I was just laughing as a way to kind of push away all the sadness, uh, mostly the sadness of not being raised by my mom. You know, she had me for like one or two weekends a month. I mean, two or three weeks in the summertime, and that was it. It was horrible. And then when my dad moved, I only got to see my mom for three weeks a year in the summertime. It was terrible, you know, not being able to see her. But throughout my childhood, I used laughter as a way to push away the emotions I didn't want to face. And after a while, laughter became my saving grace. Even after I did face those emotions as an adult, after I went to therapy and I unraveled (laughs) the pain and got through it and I felt the feels I needed to feel and I got rid of all of the, the pain and the residue by forgiving others. Not that they deserved it, but for me, not for them. And I got through all of it and I went through many years of being absolutely angry. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I have had my very serious, very angry, uh, time. (laughs) It wasn't even a rebellious phase. I didn't do anything particularly rebellious. I mean, maybe I slept around a little more than I should have when I was 18 and 19, (laughs) that was more out of curiosity than anything. It wasn't a rebellion thing because I didn't tell my parents. (laughs) I was just like kid in a candy star store. Woo baby. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) making up for lost time because nobody liked me in high school. But um, there was those few years, you know, maybe after 18 and 19, maybe around, you know, age 20, I became brooding and moody. And I felt that my pain was unique in all the world. I felt that nobody could relate to me and what I've been through. And maybe it's true that a lot of people can't, but now that I've reached the age I'm at now, I, have realized so much. And some of what I've realized is that we all experience the gamut of emotions in our life. Now, maybe you were never jilted by a lover. You were never betrayed by a wife or a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a husband. Maybe you were betrayed instead by a boss who promised you a promotion and and gave it to somebody else and fired you, or maybe a parent lied to you. You know, uh, my dad, not not my dad, excuse me, my children's dad, uh, I was going to say the dad to my children, I said my dad instead, (laughs) my ex-husband, he told my kids he was never going to die. He told my son that. And then he turned around and died of cancer. He told, I think he told my son that on his deathbed, no, I'm not going to die. And that really did a number on my son. It betrayed him in the worst of ways. My son would have been sad, but would have handled it. Had he said, I am dying, but there's a cycle of life and everybody dies. And I'm just dying sooner than most people. 
but don't worry, I'm always going to be here for you in your heart. I wished he would have said something like that instead of flat out lying to my son and our son. And that was a big betrayal, you know, so everybody has felt betrayal in one way or another. It doesn't always have to show up in the same way. You know, but we've all had hurt. We've all had disappointment and bitterness. Um, hopefully you haven't allowed it to seep in and become a part of your personality. Um, I did for a while. You know, I got to be honest. I've, I've gone through years of anger and bitterness. I'm not that way now. I'm really happy, mostly. Um, even on the days that I don't physically feel good or when I feel particularly lonely lately, I mean, being forced to live indoors for 11 months um, has been extremely hard, you know, especially since my son left since December, even though living with him was like beyond hard. <laughs> um, you know, if you know any Libras, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, I miss my friends. I miss, you know, even just the acquaintances that I knew and, I know that if I lived downtown and the pandemic didn't exist, I would be making friends left and right. I would probably have the time of my life in this city where I live. This is a great place to be. It's like a mini uh, Soho, New York down here. Um, I mean, just tons of like there's punk rock clubs and jazz clubs and everything in between. And there's, dive bars and disco clubs, like literally where they play 1970s disco music. There's 80s clubs. I mean, we've got everything here. Excellent food, excellent restaurants, super fun people, you know, from all over the world, you know, and the Ecuadorian people are amazing, of course. Um, and I miss it. I miss just going out even like once a month or twice a month, just going out and just living it up and having a good time and, you know, <laughs> running into people on the streets with weed, you know, that's always super fun hanging out with strangers and smoking and toking and laughing. And, you know, it's just stuff that, you know, my son and I used to do that all the time. We would find someone who had some, Hey, I got five bucks would buy it. And then, you know, then we'd find other people and we just, there's always like, like certain designated, um, pre-designated smoking areas that we all know about all of the, all of the potheads, <laughs> you know, it's like out of the line of sight of the police, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's one of those things where they don't arrest gringos like ever, you know, they have a standing policy, even though it's like technically not on the books, they have said, we're not going to arrest gringos, you know? And if you keep it on the DL, you're never going to have an issue. So that was something like we go out, you know, once in a great while in the past, well, probably two years ago now, we go out to eat and then we go uh, just smoke and sit along the river and watch the river for hours because it's so beautiful here. It's a pretty safe city overall. I mean, it's got a seedy underbelly, but it's just a small underbelly. It's not a huge one, <laughs> but um you know, I missed a lot of that stuff, you know, and we've all been feeling lonely lately, right? Unless we live with the people we love. And some of us have discovered that we live with people we don't love so much or that we love them, but we don't want to be around them that often. That has definitely uh, been the case. It's taken its toll in many, many ways. 
You know, like I don't want to live with my son ever again. I love him with all my heart. I don't mind if he comes down to visit once in a while and stays with me. That's okay. But as far as living day in and day out, no, 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 no. We've had conversations about it. It's like, nope. Now, if he was my next door neighbor, that would be brilliant. I would love that because I love his company. He's an incredible person. But the day in and the day out and the, oh my God, there's no way. And I know he believes the same. He says the same thing about me. It's like, there's no way. I love her dearly, but no way. <laughs> and we've gotten closer since he's left, you know, so, you know, that's, it is how it is. So we've all gone through all these emotions and it's been really hard, but I think that one of the best ways for us to alleviate our stress is to just laugh. One of the ways that my son and I, when we're having particularly hard moments, we just look at each other and he'd say, mom, I think we need to have a night where we just watch MST3K. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I am in the mood for that. And uh, MST3K is Mystery Science Theater 3000. If you don't know what that is, I highly recommend you immediately, well, after this podcast, <laughs> go to YouTube and look it up. Mystery Science Theater 3000. It might say Mystery Science Theater 3K is the YouTube channel. It's something like that, but just look at Mystery Science Theater and their full length movies. They are um, usually horror movies or old time black and white movies that are meant to be scary. These were the movies that in the 1950s, <coughs> the people would go to the theater, well, the drive in theater. And basically, the traditional idea of this, you know, was very cisgendered, heteronormative, but where the guys would bring the girls to the, the drive-in theater in the hopes that it will be so scary that the woman would scream and jump into the guy's arms, and it's all very <laughs> cliche. But these, this is the way, this is why these movies were made for this kind of, you know, like, oh, I'm so scared. Put your arms around me. Ooh, you know, and it's so dumb, but that is the kind of movies that are Mystery Science Theater 3K. And they just sit there and they watch these movies and they're super, super funny because they're snarky as hell. And they're making fun of these movies left and right. And they're, um... They add their own lines into it, and it's super funny. So if you don't know what this is, I highly recommend it. Because some of them are, are okay, and some of them are so funny that you will spit out your drink. I kid you not. <laughs> and that is something that my kids and I, we've, we've all always tried to find things that would make us laugh. We would find... Um, Shows that would just get big guffaws out. And that was a really good way for us to alleviate tension, reduce anxiety, feel better about life. And so I urge you to do what it takes to laugh. You can even do laughter yoga, which is like literally laughing at nothing in particular. <laughs> it's um, good for your health. It's good for your um your heart and your blood pressure and your lungs and your brain. 
and it's good all the way around. I mean, you bring in more oxygen into your body when you laugh and it helps you to sleep better at night as well. But uh, for me, I, I like watching Modern Family or uh, Community, which is a little on the sexist side now. Like years later, I'm looking back at this going, wow, I don't remember it being that sexist. But Modern Family occasionally is, but they point it out. So I don't mind that they point it out. Like definitely um, shows like early, early shows like from the 70s, um, Three's Company was very sexist, but it always pointed out the sexism. So it was almost over the top sexism to point out what was wrong with society, which I loved. I really appreciated that having done several content analyses about these kinds of things. I love pop culture and I love the, um, hi darling. What are you doing? Here comes a cat now. She wants to be a part of the show. I don't know if you guys heard that little meow. It was kind of a little high. (laughs) earlier she was in the house with me totally fine everything's fine then she went outside and she started calling mom 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 then she was saying I love you she said like six times in a row I I swear it sounds like she's saying she's trying to say I love you it's adorable this morning she freaked out for no reason I guess she saw me right when I woke up and I saw a fly on my on my leg or something and I freaked out and I moved the fly just like swatted at it and it completely freaked her out she ran through the house up and down the stairs like three times and she would like run up to me and smack me you know with her claws in though just to boot me a little bit and then take off running and she did this crazy thing for like I mean 10 minutes maybe 15 minutes like it was a long time And then she came upstairs and she ran into, um, there's like a cover. There's like a little bench in my room with the little slip cover over it. And she ran in between the the bench and the slip cover and hid underneath the slip cover where it was like super obviously she was there and she was very still because she thought I couldn't see her. (laughs) I'm going to put it on Instagram on my account at mermaid girl 888 in the next few days super adorable she likes to hide from me and you know she pretends that I can't see her (laughs) I have a couple of these pictures it's gonna make you guys laugh because it's like super obvious that she's not you know really invisible to me (laughs) but she's been doing oh now she's now she's chasing a moth I think she caught it she's hovering her she's hovering over her kill so okay (laughs) that's that's what she she makes me laugh I mean honestly if you have an animal you know how funny animals can be um yeah I there's some hilarious things I have uh seen her do that I just I'm like what the heck but (laughs) anyway um yeah so do go out of your way to laugh because it's healthy for you You know, it reduces tension, anxiety, it can lift depression and um, even your moods out. If you have, you know, I like to dance a lot and I like to laugh a lot. And those two things do add to the quality of your life. Even if you're stuck indoors during this stupid pandemic, you know, it's just, it's one of those things that, you know, I highly recommend it. 
but it also lifts your vibration. That's the other thing. So on a spiritual level, it's also very, very, uh, good for you. So there you have it. Um, I'm going to get into the space weather news right now. I wanted to remind you though, before I do that Saturday is a full moon. It's a time to get rid of energy. You don't want let go of things that you no longer need or ideas, thoughts and stories. You've been telling yourself that are not true things that you want to just let go of now the biggest day to do it is always the full moon or the following two weeks after, you know, leading up to the new moon. We're now in the new moon phase going up to the full moon. So if you still want to gain stuff, you still have a couple, um, couple days, day or two to do it. But the full moon energy is already starting to come in. So get to it quickly. <laughs> All right. So hello, darling. What are you doing? She's meowing at her dead moth. <laughs> oh, it's not dead. <gasps> so exciting. She's playing with it. I hope she doesn't eat it because that would be so just so gross. But the moth isn't flying away, so it looks like it's kind of maybe it's stunned. I can't say it's enjoying this. Uh, I can't look. I have to turn away from this. Oh, my God. All right spaceweather.com the current wind uh, solar wind conditions are uh, 441 point I'm sorry 440.1 kilometers per second that is the solar wind speed by the way we are no longer inside the solar wind stream and there will be another one coming up I'm going to tell you about it in a minute but I wanted to let you know we will have a break for a few days now uh, sunspot AR-284 has doubled in size since yesterday, and it does increase the potential for Earth-directed solar flares. And But I think looking at the position, I mean, I'm just venturing an uneducated guess here. I would say in, we have two more days to worry about that. And maybe after, you know, Sunday, it'll be around the other side of the sun. It looks like they're getting ready to go to, you know, to the right side or the east side of the sun. I don't think it's going to be, you know, if it, if it does in the next 24 hours, we'll get hit. But right now, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's possible, which means we'll have Aurora Borealis this weekend. If it does, uh, there is a really crazy, um, picture someone took of the Statue of Liberty and the moon and the moon is very distorted and orange very strange she got up at three in the morning to take a picture of the moon setting next to the uh, Statue of Liberty in New York Barbara Martins she's an experienced photographer but she got up at three in the morning and started taking pictures and she's like is there something wrong with my camera? Cause my God, the moon looks really weird. It looks extremely distorted and it was some atmospheric uh, conditions that did that. And it's a really cool picture. If you want to go check it out, it's spaceweather.com. Cosmic radiation counts today are high, but they've gone down by 0.9% in the past 48 hours. 
and they're now at 6.2% of this base age average. There's a little bit of some Aurora Borealises that someone took over the past two days. It's pretty cool. If you want to check that out, we do have solar wind flowing from the sun. It's from the coronal hole in the south part of the sun. And it looks like it will start. It, it looks like it's going to hit us on March 1st or 2nd. We'll be clear over the weekend, but Monday and Tuesday will be hit with solar wind again, like we did this past week. And I, I mean, this looks like a pretty big solar, uh, I mean, a pretty big Corona hole. And once it hits, I'm thinking we're going to have two to three days worth of solar wind, uh, flowing our way. As far as the fireballs are concerned <laughs> from all sky fireball network and NASA's all sky cameras, we, uh, they did report here on February 25th that there were 11 fireballs sporadic as they are over the United States. And as far as disclosure news and the Schumann resonance is concerned, DisclosureNews.it coming out of Italy. They have reported uh, Power 31. So the hertz frequency of the Schumann resonance coming out of Italy was 31 hertz. As far as the HeartMath Institute, unfortunately, they are currently out of... Well, <laughs> they're out. They just, it's like, sorry, <laughs> their website is down again. So there you have it. Um, some weird notes before we get into the show tonight. Um, I asked you guys to pray for Texas and sunshine, love and light. Well, um, I don't know if it was us or not, but, uh, they had 81 degrees like yesterday. So they went from freezing temperatures to 81 degrees. Uh, that's a, it's like a 60 degree difference overnight. So I don't know what's going on there, but I'm getting a little concerned. You know, 81 degrees is abnormal for this time of year, as is sub below freezing temperatures with snow. Also very, very weird for Texas. This is, uh, unprecedented type of weather. I don't know what's going on there, but I thought it was worth mentioning. Um, this is something I don't normally do stories that are in the news, but, um, there's, I just wanted you guys to pray for, uh, Britney Spears because of the, um, conservatorship conservatorship. I think that's how you say it. Her father is keeping her, um, keeping her money and keeping her under thumb, you know, under his thumb. And I feel like he's a narcissist and she's competent enough to at least have her, uh, have managers handle her money that has nothing to do with her father, but he's basically stealing from her and it's a really bad situation. I'm not going to go too much into it, but if you guys have love in your heart for Brittany, whether you like her music or not, you know, she really deserves to, you know, she's an adult and she does deserve to live her own life. Even if she has had mental health issues in the past, I feel like her dad is an unreasonable person. And this is something that my, my son brought up to me, um, months ago. And he was worried about her when he first heard about it. 
and and he and I started praying for her and there's like a court case about it now and they keep saying that like she is not competent enough to take care of her own money which is like okay fine but she is competent enough to live alone and do her own thing and I don't know I just feel like there's something really weird and fishy with her father there so just pray for Brittany send her love and light and protection I know it's not a big dire straits thing for the world and I usually don't say pray for people um, you know individuals like that but I just feel like you know her stuff is being run through the mud (laughs) her dirty laundry you know, is aired on, you know, publicly, internationally. And it's just, it just breaks my heart that she's going through the things that she's going through. You know, I mean, there's other places we should pray for, like Yemen, by the way, and, you know, places all over the world, actually. But, um, you know, Yemen's still going through, I think, a civil war. I honestly don't know. I know it's war. I don't know what kind of war it is. Um it's overwhelming some of this stuff, you know, but I, I just in general pray for the world and everyone in it, but there's something going on with this Brittany thing. And I'm not really, you know, it's beyond the scope of metaphysical soul speak. You know, it has nothing to do with metaphysics at all, but it does have to do with the question of sovereignty. And I feel like, you know, she could, I mean, the courts could say, let's just hand your money over to managers and they'll, they'll make sure you're okay. You know, maybe you're not able to handle your money and maybe she is, you know, maybe she's totally okay. And her dad is lying, but he has people in his back pocket that he's paying with her money to lie, saying that she's not competent enough to do anything on her own. So he could keep her under his thumb and steal her money. And I just, that makes me very sad for her. Anyway, it's something that keeps coming up and I keep seeing her name and I'm like, well, maybe I better ask for you guys to uh, pray for her. Also, if you find it in your heart to pray for my friend, Janet, I'm not going to go into all of the horrible details of all the things that she's going through, but it looks like possibly she needs two more months in the hospital. She has COVID. She needs surgery on her leg because of some medicine they gave her that separated her. You know, I don't even know. It's like so much doxycycline apparently is a horrible drug. We'll just put it that way. And, um, she's coughing blood up out of her lungs and she has a bunch of things going on, blood pressure and heart problems and all sorts of things. And she was the executive producer for the TV show experiencers that never did take place. It was a show that I was supposed to be on as a guest. And, um, Jim, who died um, randomly and suddenly, and he was one of three people at that time in the UFO community that were key people working on Disclosure at the time, and she was the executive producer for the show, and she's a good friend of mine now, and I guess uh, he was going to actually offer me a co-host position with him, and I'm like, oh, that would have changed my life so much, that would have been incredible, And then he randomly died of a heart attack. So I don't know. I just, um, I'm just always praying for Janet and I'm asking you guys to help me send love and light and extra energy her way. She lives in the Eastern, um, the Northeastern part of the United States. So just Janet, um, we love you and we hope you get better soon. And, um, 
Well, that's it. I'm going to take a quick break, guys. And when I come back, we're going to finish our love series that we do every year for Love Month, which is basically, I mean, it's the month of Valentine's Day. It's one of my favorite holidays um, as far as the energy of love is concerned. And um, as far as the commercialization and the pressure to go out on a date with somebody, I mean, I, that ship for me sailed like four years ago. I haven't been able to go out on that day in a very long time. So maybe even longer. I mean, maybe six years or something. <laughs> I have not had a Valentine's Day date in a long, long time. Um, so I don't mean like, you know, the whole... <laughs> romantic, you know, pressure, you know, to perform (laughs) or whatever. I don't mean it that way. I, I take it as a, a month of absolute love and purity. The idea of true love reigns, whether you are single or not. And this month though, I've been focusing more on us loving ourselves, whether we're in a relationship or not. And so we're going to continue that. This is the last of the series about um, basically self-love. And we're going to talk about all of the things that we can do to lift up out of us all of the shadow sides, the shadow things that prevent us from having union with our twin flame or having a good, decent relationship with other people, um, like, you know, our soulmates or whatever. And sometimes it affects our friendships too. So we're going to talk about some of the ways in which we can work on the shadow side. So we're going to talk about shadow work tonight in relationship to ourselves and loving ourselves and also how we reflect ourselves to other people and how they reflect to us as well because they always people always reflect to us our shadow side basically so we're going to go over all of this tonight right after this quick little musical interlude <laughs> guys as you know I'm getting ready to launch a pretty good class on anxiety and I'm going to be offering this on udemy.com which is spelled u-d-e-m-y dot com and I'm going to let you guys know as soon as it is available but I'm pre-launching it now by letting you guys know about it I've been talking about it um, for a while and I've been writing the class and I've written, oh gosh, like nine pages or something in the class already. It's uh, more extensive than I expected it would be. So (laughs) I haven't even recorded the the videos. It's going to be several videos, like probably seven or eight videos. Um, (laughs) but I've been writing the handouts and it occurred to me that even though these, uh, techniques in one of these handouts called the three M's, uh, 
even though this is to get rid of anxiety, I start realizing this is a way to do that inner shadow work that we all need as far as, um, bringing up, um, all the problems that we have inside ourselves that would affect our relationships. Right. So I, so I wrote this handout specifically for anxiety and for this particular anxiety class, but we're going to go over some of the techniques, uh, tonight, but first I'm going to talk about some of the things that we will normally and naturally do (laughs) to, uh, sabotage ourselves in love and also sabotage the relationship itself and things that we do that is not too cool (laughs) to do to another human being. And yet we do them anyway. And we don't have the insight that we're wrong. We always assume they're wrong and we use, um, projection to talk about, um, things that we think they're doing and it's things that maybe we're doing or things that maybe people in our past have done to us. And so we assume all men are alike, all women are alike, you know, and it leads us to, you know, make horrible blanket statements. Like I hate all fill in the gender here. (laughs) All blanks are this, you know, like all women, all men, all, you know, all people, (laughs) It's not true. Not, not everybody is a terrible person, but we project these, uh, thoughts and feelings and horrible images onto people based on, uh, the stuff that's inside us, our shadow side, our shadow selves that we haven't yet things that we have not yet addressed. Okay. So let's go over some of those things because what might sabotage a relationship? <laughs> so we're going to go over that list right now. All right. As I look at C33, <laughs> that's a message for me and probably maybe for you. So I'm bringing it up. Angel numbers out being what they are. I got one today, 420. <laughs> and today is my half birthday. So February 25th. Yay. Six months until my birthday, <laughs> I'm going to be 29 again. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. This is not a comprehensive list, but it was a list I wrote on the fly in a matter of seconds. So hopefully, um, you know, all the things I say, you're probably going to relate to it one way or the others. Either someone has, has done these things to you or you've done these things to somebody else. And, um, you know, I might actually have to add more to the list as we go, but these are relationship killers that usually come from past experiences or the way that we were raised, which that will mean inner child work. Okay. So, um, the first thing is, If the other person is late and you automatically assume they're out, you know, cat carousing, they're out, you know, I was gonna say catwalking and I realized that, is that a thing? I don't know. 
my cat is outside walking right now, but <laughs> the backyard, I mean, not the streets, but, <laughs> um, so you automatically assume they're out screwing around on you. They're kissing somebody else. They're loving somebody else. They're cheating on you. Absolutely. It's a fact they're 10 minutes late. They must be out having sex with somebody, <laughs> you know, it's like an instant jumping to conclusion that usually is not even true. Not even a little bit more often than not. That's not at all happening. But if you believe it's happening and then you start accusing the other person of that, where the hell does that come from? Someone's already done this to you or one of your parents cheated on your other parent, which is pretty common, right? Or cheating on the other person or accepting a person into your life that does cheat on you for real. Um, where does that come from? Well, usually people who are cheaters are narcissists, people who are not trying to get back at you. They're not trying to just, Oh, oops, I slipped. You know, I mean, sometimes things happen, but if something happens, like someone goes to a party and they accidentally cheat on you because they were too drunk or whatever, that's the excuse. You don't have a very good relationship. <laughs> you know, first of all, if they're out to a party without you, that's already not a non-starter type of relationship. And that's, I mean, that's really flimsy. It's a flimsy excuse and it's a flimsy sort of, you know, um, <laughs> the whole thing, the whole thing in my book, that's totally flimsy. I met somebody though. He said that he took a, an anxiety pill and then he forgot he took an anxiety pill and he took another one. And apparently it gives you amnesia, supposedly. I'm like, well, I have taken the same anxiety pill and I don't remember any amnesiac uh, incidences, you know. So I, I don't know if I buy his story totally. <laughs> you know, it's just an excuse. It's like if your relationship isn't all that solid to begin with, you know, as the numbers lady, um, Glenda, Glenda, the numbers lady, she says, you know, if there's room to cheat in a relationship, it's not much of a relationship and you might as well just break up, you know, and that's the way I feel about it too. It's she's right. <laughs> if there's room to cheat, there's, it's just, it's going to break apart. Anyway, you might as well just rip the bandaid off now and go your separate ways. But the accusing of somebody you know, if they're not screwing around on you at all and you're not screwing around on them, it's not out of false guilt or projection where you're doing something wrong, but you could accuse the other person of doing wrong, um, to kind of take the heat off you, which incidentally everyone can see through that. So don't do that. <laughs> it's like so obvious, but, um, where's it come from? If you just like constantly accuse and you constantly are suspicious and paranoid you know, that's got to come from somewhere. It might be that your intuition is telling you that this person really is cheating on you and they're no good, or it's, you got some inner work to do, <laughs> you know, where someone did this in the past and you're not healed from that wound and you feel like maybe, you know, maybe, you know, they're cheating on me too, or, or you accept that you're not worthy enough to be loved the way you deserve. So, um, that's a huge point in shadow work that most people have to uh, deal with. 
if you're an adult that's had a few relationships, you might have to deal with one or all of these things and don't feel bad because we've all been there at one time or another. So, um, if somebody says they're going to meet you on time for a date or you have an appointment, you know, like say you've been married for a long time and you're definitely going to go have an appointment and then they don't meet you or they ghost you. Um, that's another thing to work through. Like, you know, what, what is the tailspin that that causes? You know, normally if you are an emotionally healthy person with healthy boundaries and someone doesn't meet you, you should assume that they forgot or something came up. Don't make an excuse for them, but hold out all, you know, reserve all judgment until they give you an explanation. That's natural, normal, and healthy. But if you tend to go into a tailspin, um, you know, again, like they're cheating on me, they're ghosting me, they're not meeting me in time, they don't love me, I'm not worthy enough, I'm not hot enough, I knew my ass looked too big in these jeans. (laughs) Some people go through this, they go through all of the, I'm ugly, I'm unworthy, I'm not good enough, I'm not tall enough or skinny enough or educated enough or rich enough or oh my god, oh my god, and then you go through the tailspin of all the bullshit. Uh, most of which is just totally wrong. Maybe they're in a car accident. They might be in a coma somewhere. <laughs> this guy ghosted me once and I got really pissed off. I'm like, what's wrong with this guy? Did, did he have amnesia? Did he tell me he's falling in love with me last week? Where the hell is this guy? Freaking liar. Why, why haven't I heard from him? And uh, it turns out he was in the hospital with amnesia for two weeks <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to give you another chance, asshole, you know, <laughs> you know, whatever. And then it turns out he was actually in the hospital. And the first thing I said to him was like, what's wrong with you? Did, what, did you have amnesia? Did you forget I existed after spending the weekend with me? Come on. And he's like, actually, <laughs> he's like, you're the only person I could remember for about a week. I was in the hospital for two weeks and then it was like a whole nother week. He had been at home and he was thinking about me and he had to go through all this stuff and find my phone number. And after a week, he finally found it because he, re- he forgot where he put it, obviously, because amnesia. So, I mean, it was like the only time that I was like so rude. <laughs> and it turned out he really had amnesia. I'm like, oh, Lord, you know, me and my big mouth, like, damn it. And plus, I'm psychic. But I didn't realize at the time how psychic I was. Uh, (laughs) so if somebody ghosts you or they don't meet you at the right time, you know, don't give them a million chances, give them an opportunity to explain. And if they have evidence to back up their story and it seems reasonable, no problem. If their excuse is flimsy and unreasonable, then that's going to be strike one. You don't have to tell them is strike one, but Hey, you know, three strikes, you're out, play baseball with them, you know, (laughs) if you want, you know, I think three times is ample room, you know, uh, you know, if someone really messes up constantly, it's like, well, I don't think you're all into the, into me that much. So, you know, a healthy person would say, well, if you ghost to me twice already, I think we're done here. You know, you don't think that I deserve honor and respect and I do, but if you keep, going for people who ghost you continuously, then 
you need to look at your self-esteem and your self-confidence levels and your self-worth and how you value uh, yourself. Lack of respect is the next thing. And the other two things I talked about, someone is cheating on you and ghosting you. They obviously have zero respect for themselves and for you. They didn't really want to give this a love relationship a chance, right? So, and if you're single and you've had these things in the past, we're still going to look at them because, you know, if you have not healed that inner part of you that needs healing from these things, you might uh, go ahead again and attract someone who's going to do these things to you again. So, uh, yeah, we don't want that for you. I don't want that for you. I want you to be happy. You deserve every happiness there is in this life. You know, your happiness will never take away from mine and somebody else's happiness will never take away from yours. So you should want people to be happy. Excuse me. And you should want people, I mean, you should want yourself to be happy as well. You know, I must know it's time to do the show because my allergies kicked in. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I I swear that there's a weed in my backyard. There's one. (laughs) There's a really tall, I think it's a ragweed. I'm going to have to have a conversation with that fairy of the ragweed, apologize profusely, and then rip that sucker out of my yard. Oh my God. It's like suddenly out of nowhere. I'm like blowing my nose. I'm stopping this every few seconds to blow my nose. Oh my gosh. Okay. In like literally two hours ago, I was totally fine. Asthma, fine breathing out of my, you know, my nose, sinus, everything fine. And suddenly, uh, so, uh, forgive me. I'm not sick. It's just, it's an allergy. It's so weird. Anyway. (coughs) So if you have a lack of respect for yourself or somebody else has a lack of respect for you, if they belittle and berate you, then they're an abuser. Get them the hell out of your life. You don't need that shit. But if you keep accepting people that abuse and belittle and berate you, probably I would venture a guess this comes from childhood. And you're not going to have a good relationship until you have forgiven the people in your life and gotten rid of the energy of all that and learn that you will no longer accept that kind of treatment. You deserve better. We need to all start respecting ourselves more and, um, me included, you know, um, I'm working on it though. I'm, I'm pretty much there all the way, but you know, there's still a few things I, I, there's tweaking that, that is necessary to do. And, and we all have work to do. So anyway, the next thing, do you, <clears throat> do you accuse them of doing things that they did not do? Now, if someone is doing this to you, also watch out for gaslighting. If there's something you absolutely did not do and they say that you did and that that's just really bad. You know, um, like my boyfriend in Peru broke up with me because a 16 year old, um, guy who had a little crush on me, um, was drunk and his sister asked me to help hold him up. So as I was going to hold his arm, he fell against me and my boyfriend turned at that moment and thought that I was kissing him or that I was hugging him in a way that I was going to come on to him. I'm like, okay, I'm not a pedophile. This is a 16 year old child. Like, come on, you know, um, he's drunk and I was trying to hold him up with his sister. You can ask her, you can ask her husband who was standing right there. Nobody, you know, thinks I was, you know, cheating on you. 
everybody knows I was on the up and up, but he used that as an excuse to break up and get out of the relationship. He was looking for something and that's what he did. (laughs) It had nothing to do with reality world. It just was his own, you know, so in a way it was, he was kind of gaslighting me, but also as an excuse to break up because he was not willing, ready and able to handle having an adult relationship because his personal schedule was too busy to even throw in a relationship on top of everything. And even like this past week, you know, the wagon circle back around, he's been asking me, Hey, I want to be with you. I want to like be married to you. Can we just live together again? I want to come and be with you and live with you. I'm like, are you telling me that I'm the one? And he's like, yeah, why wouldn't I say that? I'm like, okay. (laughs) I told him a long time ago, you break up with me, buddy. It's over. I don't move backwards in life. So, you know, that's just a policy I've always had. Like I, I don't. You're always sorry because you break up with them a second time for the same exact reason you broke up with them the first time. Don't be that person. You know, a leopard does not change its spots, okay? So anyway, but if someone is accusing you of something you didn't do or you're accusing them of something they didn't do, there's some inner work that needs to be done. You know, um, like... uh, just anything, just accusing someone of something that is like, they're plotting against you. Like they're talking about your friend, you know, talking about you to your friends or bad mouthing you to strangers, or even if they're not doing any of that, but you like, you see them laughing with someone and they're having an innocent laugh over something that had nothing to do with you. And then you accuse them of laughing at you. You know, like there's some insecurities going on and some things that you need to address. Now, if you're with a narcissist or sociopath, they probably are laughing about you and they probably will rope other people in to laugh at you as well. They love to publicly humiliate you, especially with someone that they have a love interest in as well. Not love, but, you know, trying to manipulate and control them as well. Um, You know, so it's kind of one of those things like my last narcissist boyfriend, um, got his ex girlfriend to, uh, write me and accuse me of breaking up their home, even though they weren't a couple, you know, and they have a child together and that way, you know, and so she started telling me I was ugly, old and fat, you know, um, and then I was stupid and all this stuff. And I was like, who's the stupid one? You've, you've gone to a club twice, slept with a random stranger twice, got pregnant twice and roped two separate men into paying for your babies for the rest of your life. Have you never heard of birth control? I mean, who's the stupid one? You know, it's not my fault that you got men that did not love you to have sex with you and on your fertile days. You're ignorant, you know, it's like, I was like, I'm sorry that this happened to you, but you keep doing this as a pattern. And I think she even got pregnant a third time, same exact way. It's like her pattern. It's like, this is some kind of fucked up shit over here. That's a really bad childhood pattern. And, um, so I just had to delete and block her, but <laughs> I was just like, you know, I'm not the stupid one here. You know, I am somebody who met this man who told me he was single and told me he had a child with his ex. That's all he told me. You know what I mean? So if he's in a relationship with you and he's in a relationship with me, I'm going to back the hell out off. Cause yeah, I don't need that. <laughs> 
you know, I'm healthy enough that I know better. <laughs> you know, It's like, I don't do this to other women, but I knew she was lying. He was living with me and, and he had his own place next door, but he was kind of not really living with me totally. But I, I could see him day and night. I knew what was going on in his house and he never had other women over. He never had anybody else, you know, but if I had, you know, accused him of that, even though nothing was going on. If I had accused him of sleeping with his ex every time he went to see his son, which would be ridiculous because he absolutely hated her. But, you know, but if I had been insecure, like, are you really sleeping with her? Are you like taking shower with her? Are you, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I mean by accusing them of doing things that they're not even doing. You know, that comes out of insecurity. When I was 18 and 19, I might've accused someone of that. You know, absolutely. I was very insecure back then, you know, (laughs) A lot of 18, 19 year olds are usually, you know, it's typical and natural for that to happen at a very young age. But if you're in your thirties and forties and that's still happening, this is some inner work you got to get going on. Okay. Um, if you are, uh, let's say I wrote fear. Oh yeah. Where does this come from? Yeah. It comes from fear and it might be a gut instinct. Like you might actually be onto something or it might just be fear based on past experiences or a story that you tell yourself that you are unworthy. That is a big story that we tell ourselves. We all have done it at one time or another. If you feel that you're unworthy or you're not good enough for the other person, um, first of all, that's bullshit. If the other person is attracted to you, there's several things going on. If someone is attracted to you in the beginning, it's because it might be they're objectifying your body. That could be true that they're disrespecting everybody in the world because they disrespect themselves. That's something they need to work on in themselves. That's possible. But if someone's attracted to you on emotional and psychological, psychological levels, you might have childhood issues that are the same. You might even bond over the crap that happened to you as a child, but also you're going to have to work it out because eventually that's going to hurt the relationship. Um, unless you've already worked through some of these things. And another way that reason why you'd be attracted to somebody or them attracted to you is because they're your soulmate and you do have things to work through probably from past lives. And if Or, or they're your twin flame quite possibly, you know, and then you're just kind of getting back into union with basically the other half of your own soul, you know, yourself. So, um, but if they're attracted to you, why are you thinking you're not good enough? Cause they're already attracted to you. Why would you think you're unworthy if they're already attracted? See, you see how, how the logic isn't, it's not computing. But we all do this anyway, and it's just that insecurity again. So if you feel you're not worthy, you're not good enough, you are. You are pure love. You come from the divine light of God. You know, you are create. God created you because you're worthy. If you weren't worthy, you would not even be listening to this podcast because you wouldn't even be here. If you can hear my voice right now, honey, you're worthy. Period. Stop with the butt. Yeah, but, but, yeah, but, no, fuck the butts. No, wait. Okay, maybe. Okay, that's a whole nother conversation. But <laughs> you are worthy. You are good enough. Okay? You're worthy of love and respect. 
Now, money issues. This is something usually comes from childhood. If you are not contributing and you said you're going to be equal partners and you move in together, or if you're still on the dating situation, but you know that they're not, uh, they don't have a lot of money and you, uh, continuously make them pay. You're the man you pay, you know, you know, falling into a cliche pattern based on your own, um, your own inability to pay, or maybe you have money, but you want them to pay because they're a man. Like, you know, if you go through that, like if you're either a man or a woman, you know, if you just make that, well, you're this, you're the one who pays all the time. And if they're, and if they're struggling like you, or they have just slightly bit more money than you, then, um, you're feeding into lies about yourself as being, um, and you're feeding into lies about them as well. Right. And you're putting stress and strain on the relationship based on money. A lot of times these patterns come from, um, our role models growing up, uh, things we've seen in movies or TV. Well, the man has to call first. The man has to pay first. The, you know, those are the things I was taught, you know, you're a woman, you're a girl. You can't, you can't just call boys. That's improper. That's, that's not how things work. And it's like, you know, it is, (laughs) you know, it is now in the eighties. It was kind of okay to call a boy, but now it's okay. A boy, you know, I'm, you know, I'm thinking back when I was a teenager, you know, (laughs) but it's okay as a woman to call a man, but you still might have that. "Eh, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable with it. You know, I do. I am very old fashioned. I like to be chased versus me doing the chasing. I'm over doing the chasing, you know? So, um, <clears throat> but the money issues, that's a part of that too. Like the man has to pay for everything. I mean, this is very heteronormative and cisgendered, but it's how I was raised. My parents didn't raise me, um, actually looking and seeing me as a bisexual woman. You know, they didn't, they wouldn't have known what to say anyway. You know, I think they knew. I mean, I was always making out with my friend Crystal. <laughs> you know, and, and um, it was just one of the, we were always hugging on each other and holding hands and, and kissing on the lips. And it was always like hot and passionate sometimes. And yet we didn't even know what we were doing. We're just attracted to each other. We just loved each other, you know. But um, my my mom, my stepmom's like, she's a little weird. I don't think you should hang out with her anymore. I'm like. <laughs> why not? I love her. You know, <laughs> she was like the head cheerleader. She was gorgeous. <laughs> you know, I was just like, she is more exciting and more interesting and more beautiful and more intelligent than any of the guys in that school for sure. But anyway, <laughs> I think she would deny it to this very day though, to be honest. I think she has repressed that part of herself, unfortunately. We're still friends. Uh, you know, we don't talk very often, but we're still friends. But, um, <laughs> but, um, the money issue that, that does, uh, I think come from childhood and, you know, TV shows, movies, whatever, but being equal partners with each other, if you decide that's what you are in the beginning and then you start slacking off and not paying, even if you do have the money, that's kind of that's a disrespect thing. And you have to go back into your own personal story and talk to your inner child about it. We're going to talk about how to do that in a minute. 
So, um, if you accept a freeloader in your life, who's going to constantly make you the sugar mama or the sugar daddy without having a prior arrangement of you are my sugar daddy, you are my sugar mama, right? So if you don't have that and then they're a freeloader and they're like, just going to live with you for free and eat your food and not pay for the bills and stay in the shower until the hot water runs out, which totally sucks. You know, why are you accepting a freeloader? Where does that come from? What part of your childhood and your life did that come from? You know, at what point again, did you think I am unworthy of respect? Um, these things all contribute to the downfall of a relationship. Um, being jealous, (laughs) Hey, jealousy, Hey, jealousy. (laughs) It's, it rears its ugly head at the worst times. Now, if you're woman or your man is going off and kissing somebody else. Yeah. You should damn well feel jealous unless they are an actor on a set and they're performing a job, you know, you know, that's something, you know, I mean, you gotta be careful, you know, if that's the situation, well, all right, it's uncomfortable, but it's, it's going to happen. You know, it does happen, but If you're jealous and there's no basis in the jealousy, again, with the intuition, a lot of these things can be brought down to either it's happening and your intuition is correct. So don't doubt yourself, but at the same time, where does it come from? Is it, is it something that happened to you in your childhood where you saw jealousy as a thing? You know, uh, it was in your role models constantly. You know, did your mom or your dad constantly talk about what everybody else has, what the neighbors were doing? They were always up in everyone else's business and then talking smack and being jealous. And, you know, look at that car. Look at those clothes. Oh, look what he's doing to the lawn. You know, you might have not even realized it was happening, but now you're jealous of the other person constantly because, you know, it's a childhood thing, you know, um, But again, if the intuition is telling you and you find out it's real now, you know, but we got to go back to the boundaries issue of my show. Um, I think it was either last year, might've been last year or the year before the first or the second season. Um, I did talk about boundaries. So do a, do a Google search. You'll find me. I'm all over Google Um, because it's really important, you know, to know um, when you have boundaries and you meet someone and you start dating them. If they break your boundaries right off the bat, boom, you're out of here. (laughs) And now you'll never have to deal with that. But if you're in a relationship with somebody who's bad and your intuition keeps going off and ding, 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 red flags and warnings everywhere, you know, now it's just time to kick and kick them to the curb, right? So unreasonable expectations and unspoken expectations. My husband did not tell me until 10 years into the marriage, marriage, okay, that he thought that I did not love him because I did not make dinner every single night for him. I thought that being equal partners is we take turns every other night. So it was unspoken expectations and we both were wrong. 
if he, you know, if he wanted me to be, and I told him I'm not a Susie homemaker, 1950s housewife type of chick. I'm not. So I don't know what the hell you expected from me, but you expected that. I mean, shit, you wanted to marry your mother. Gross. You know, <laughs> wow, you could have worked that out in therapy before you met me. <laughs> I was so mad. It was like one of, we hardly ever fought except when he had brain cancer. Then we fought all the time before I knew he even had any illness. Um, <laughs> you know, but being unreasonable in your expectations, he expected me to have lunch on the table for the children every day between 11 and 1130 in the morning. My children weren't even hungry until 1230 or one, like consistently. And he was, that was one of the reasons he said he wanted to divorce me. And I'm like, they're not even hungry. When I feed them at 11, they don't eat it. It gets all dried out and we throw away the food. We're wasting half of our food, feeding them too early when they're not hungry. Forcing someone to eat on a schedule is like forcing them into obesity as adults. It's 12 o'clock. I have to eat. You know, it's like, no, are you even hungry? Eat at three when your body tells you you're intermittent fasting is how people lose weight. You know, eating on a schedule like you're a freaking cow will, well, it can hurt your body. You know, oh, it's time for the, you know, to feed the cows. It's time to feed the cat or the dog. You know, you're not an animal. Don't, don't feed yourself on a schedule, you know, eat when you feel like it. Right. But that was an unreasonable expectation that was also, it was unreasonable and it was unspoken. Ooh, those are killers in a relationship. So when you first meet someone, or even if you're with someone you've been with for six, seven, eight years, sit down and talk about these things. What did you, what do you expect of me that I keep failing at? Because I might not know. It might be unspoken. Let's just write a list and we'll exchange the lists. I expect you to pick up your towels instead of leaving them on the floor to mold when you're done with the shower. You know, that might be a big, you know, pet peeve as a Virgo. That's a pet peeve of mine. Luckily, my husband did hang up his towels unless it was a hand towel in the guest bathroom, because then that was always on the floor. It's like, were the kids in the bathroom? No, were you? Well, why is the towel on the floor again, honey? <laughs> I mean, seriously, that was like our only problem. <laughs> it was such a minor problem. And then he'd be like, there's water on the counter in here. I'm like, it's a plastic counter. Relax. <laughs> you know, <laughs> That was like our biggest issue of things that were taking place in the guest bathroom. That was the only little spit and spat we ever had. <laughs> You know, before, of course, the brain cancer took over and changed his personality, took away his, uh, his sense of humor, <laughs> but, uh, using sex as a weapon is also another thing. So, um, and I could get into that too, too much. If there's a lot of anger and a lot of domestic violence and even rape, as far as sex as a weapon, get the hell out of it, get help, look at your local uh, domestic violence shelter. You know, just say you're going down to unemployment agency. If you're in the States, usually, um, it's in the same building, you know, social services, or, um, you could ask the unemployment people and they will tell you where to go. Um, you know, you could ask any government agency, they'll help you get to the right government agency might take a minute, you know, bureaucracy and all that bullshit. But, um, also unexpressed emotions and the, 
healing the wounds of the past that you haven't healed yet. So if you have unexpressed anger towards your partner, something they did wrong and you haven't forgiven them, you haven't let it go and you let it fester, that's another issue. And sometimes you see your parents doing that. I mean, my, my birth mom caught her husband masturbating to Alyssa Milano's sex tape. Okay. And six years later, she was still screaming at him for it. It's like, that's one of those things. And I guess because her password was Lord. I mean, she's dead now, so no one's going to sneak into her computer now. She's like, you use my Lord to wank off to Alyssa Milano. And then she's start calling her a bitch and she hated her and she hated charm and she hated anything she was ever in. And, and my mom made this a massive problem for herself. She created massive drama where there didn't need to be drama. They could have sat down and she could have said, I actually have the expectation that you're not going to use my computer to look at porn. And also you're not going to look at porn. I'm the only woman you should be with. This should be a spiritual godly relationship. You know, I'm Christian woman. I mean, that's what she should have said, but she didn't have the words or the way to her. She didn't even know what to make of this because her parents never did this kind of stuff. It didn't come from her childhood, but this, her husband was very sexual and she used sex as a weapon. She wouldn't do it with him. I mean, I'm like TMI about my mother and God rest her soul. But these are issues that she had that she roped my husband and me in. And that's another thing talking about your relationship with other people (laughs) is a massive thing. Don't do it. It's just, it's a no, no, don't do it. You have problems in the relationship. Go see a counselor go see, um, a marriage counselor together as a couple, or, I mean, you could see a couple's counselor, even if you're not married, you don't have to have that legal <laughs> pedigree, you know, you don't, oh, well, we're married. So we, we have the opportunity now. No, you could, you could see a counselor with or without your sweetie, you know? Um, so all of these things are relationship killers and they all come from somewhere. So if you're having issues with the relationship or if you're single and you're like, well, damn, I'm afraid to get into a relationship again because all these other things happened. And if you were in with a narcissist or sociopath before you need to go back and listen to my boundaries issue. If you set up your own boundaries or go to Kim, um, Kim Saeed, S A E E D. She has an excellent YouTube, uh, website, and YouTube, it's kimsaeed.com, I believe. And she suffered years of horrible narcissist abuse. She is a PhD in psychology. She had a child with her abuser and she couldn't get out of it for years. So she kept notes and she got healthy and she's going to, she'll teach you how to get healthy. If that was your situation, um, you know, but her boundary guide in, in the show I did on this, uh, was based on her stuff. So you could go right to the source or you could go to mine. It's just like an hour and a half or something. It wasn't terribly long back then. My show was not as long as it is, um, now, but in, in fact, tonight's is going to be a little bit less than normal. Cause I'm very busy with, uh, writing my class in class notes and quizzes and handouts and whatever, <laughs> I'm definitely a teacher now. (laughs) 
anyway, um, so how do you, what do you need to do to get through some of this stuff? Okay. Well, if you are having stress because of your past and you're afraid to move forward in a relationship because you're single now and you're like, I not want to go through that crap again. And I don't blame you. Um, to take yourself out of your own head, practice mindfulness, be fully present in the moment and just take deep breaths and don't think of the past or the future. Just look at what's happening in front of you right now. It's easier to do this in a place you're not normally in, you know, like in a city park or, um, in like at the ocean or something where you could hear the seagulls and you can, you know, be completely immersed in the environment. But if you don't have that luxury, that's okay. I mean, you can watch a YouTube video and be mindful of what you're seeing on the YouTube video or don't even do that. Don't, you know, just stay, stay with yourself. Start listening to the sounds around you. Do you hear birds, dogs, cats, alarms? What do you hear? What are you seeing when you look outside? What's up in the sky? What are the clouds doing? You know, just practice being mindful. Do it for a minute, you know, set a timer and see if you can make sure you don't think of the past or the future, only the present moment and start with 30 seconds. If you have racing thoughts all the time, practice it for 30 seconds and an hour later, practice it for a minute and, you know, do it three or four times a day. You could do it as often as you want. You could sit and be mindful for a whole hour and that's going to bring you out of your own head and that's going to help you uh, quite a bit. Just focus on your breath and then just look at the sights, the sounds, the smells, what is around you. Uh, like one of the better places I would imagine to go to would be like a coffee house or something because you could hear the sounds of the machines whirring and, and um, making all the cool stuff and you could smell the cinnamon and the vanilla and the coffee, you know, um, and you could hear the sounds of other people talking. I mean, that helps you get out of your own head for sure. I love coffee houses are one of my favorite places to be. Um, but that's, uh, one, one thing that you can do to just get out of your own head for a minute. Right. And meditation is another uh, way just to watch your thoughts. So I'm going to tailor make this for, uh, this, uh, show tonight. If you uh, have a little notebook with you, you know, pen and notebook could, could be just a piece of paper, you know, it doesn't have to be something fancy if you don't have anything fancy, but just sit and, and think about your last relationship. Take so, several deep breaths and close your eyes and think about all the things that went wrong and be very honest with yourself, but don't judge yourself. Oh, judging the other person and judging yourself or accusing them of judging you. That's also a relationship killer. <laughs> so if you find yourself thinking certain thoughts, then just write them down. Just watch your thoughts and write them down and let them go. Because then we're going to get to the next part of this. Okay. So write, just do this every day for a week. Try to sit in, 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 what went wrong in the relationship? What did the other person, what were the reasons they broke up with me? Or what were the reasons I broke up with them? What were the things I accused them of that they did not do? Or what are the things they accused me of that I did not do? 
and what, what were the imbalances in the relationship? What were the things that went wrong, you know? And so if you think there's some inner shadow work, if you write down all the things, so you can meditate and watch your thoughts and write down as your thoughts come, or you could just be honest with yourself and just all the things that went wrong. You know, my ex lied to me about knowing how to paint an apartment and where to get the paint. And he sent me on a wild goose chase all over Lima for like two days. <laughs> and, and he showed up, we had an appointment to paint the apartment together and he showed up really scared and really angry because I didn't have the paint. And I'm like, you told me it was at this place and this place, this is your city. You grew up here. You should know where to buy paint in this town. And if you didn't know, you could ask your brother or your dad, they live here too. Like what the hell? And he never would admit it until after he took me on a wild goose chase on the bus, hot and sweaty, packed bus full of people to this part and that part and asking people and asking people and then getting mad at me and then talking shit about me in Spanish to his mother. Like I'm the stupid one, not knowing where to buy paint in a foreign city in a foreign land with a foreign language. I didn't understand like the, what kind of bullshit is that? Right. And it wasn't until we we're going back to the apartment. He's like, I'm just gonna drop you off at the apartment. Cause I've got to go to work now. You've wasted my day. And I'm like, you wasted my time for two whole days with all your lies about where to get the paintbrushes and stuff. Nobody knew what I was talking about at all the places you told me to go to. And it turns out every single time it was time to paint an apartment, he would always let his roommates do it. He would pay the money to do it sometimes. And he finally broke down and admitted, I'm like, you're such an asshole. And he was like laughing. I'm like, you're really a pendejo man. <laughs> he was like so embarrassed. He didn't want to even admit his shortcoming of not knowing how to paint a fucking wall. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like that's something if I think about, you know, like weird incidences like that, but what's underneath that, um, being deceptive and wasting my time, disrespecting me because of my time and lying <laughs> and not going out of his way to be resourceful, you know, asking people that would know, you know, to be helpful, being completely not being unhelpful, but purposely being unhelpful. So that was something. So all those things, you know, so that would be something that I would write down, right? Like this weird incident. Like, so look at the incidences that happened and then unravel them with what's behind it. And then you have to think, well, did my parents do that? No, my parents are very resourceful. So this kid definitely came from him and he was gaslighting me. Well, he was a narcissist. Okay. Well, good. Let's ignore that relationship. Let's go to relationships that were more functional. <laughs> so, you know, just write down all of the things, you know, so you could just sit and be honest with yourself. And if you cannot, if you have emotional blocks, cause it hurt you and you're still in that pain, write the fact down that you're still in pain. What is the pain and where does it come from? So, and you can even ask the pain itself. You could sit and go, okay, I feel heartache and I feel like I got punched in the gut. So let's start with the gut one. Okay. Okay. Gut. I feel this, this insecurity. Why do I feel insecure? 
about that relationship. What happened? And it's going to, okay, that person cheated on you or, uh, your intuition was correct and you ignored yourself. Now you have to start respecting your intuition more. So you have to write down all of the things, um, and and this is your inner shadow work and you're going to have to start accepting things about yourself that you didn't accept before. I am worthy. I am lovable. I am sexy. You know, even if you're, um, overweight, like I met a woman who, um, changed my whole world, (laughs) my neighbor in Detroit. And she was a little bit heavier than me. I'm not heavy. I'm not really heavy, but after I broke my leg, I gained a lot. I gained like 50 pounds. I was like, Oh my God, this is terrible. Cause I mean, throughout my whole life, I'd never gained more than maybe 15 or 20 pounds except when I was pregnant. And then when I broke my leg, so three major incidences happened. But before that I was always like keeping everything under control. Everything was great. But, um, when I had started to gain weight, I was like, man, I'd love to date again, but man, I want to be, I want to be in, in tip top shape. Right. And I don't know if it's ever going to happen again. Cause I just broke my leg. I'm really worried. And she said, honey, don't even worry about it. She said, you know how many men I find that, you know, that would want me. I am a worthwhile person. I'm worthy. I'm a sexy goddess. I am a queen. And any man would be damn lucky to have me. And same thing for you. And you need to feel that way about yourself. I'm like, yeah, but I worry about my weight. And she said, so what? The right man is going to love you no matter what you look like or what your perception of yourself is. So perceive yourself as a queen that deserves the ultimate respect, honor, and love. And don't date a man without references, by the way, honey. That's what she said. And one of my other neighbors said the same thing. If you can't get references, two or three references, and you could call their ex-girlfriends and ask what went wrong, you know, if you don't find them through a reputable place like church, <laughs> then, then, then forget it. Don't even go out with them. You know, you have to know everything about men. Like this, this is what I learned from the community in Detroit. This the women, they're strong good women. And they were like, you know, but she said to me, she said, Oh honey, it doesn't matter if you have extra, it's extra love, you know, extra parts of you to love. And then she started going in this, it's more bam for the gram, baby. It's more <clears throat> bounce for the ounce. <laughs> You're more cushion for the pushing, you know, and she started going into all this thing. I just was laughing so hard. She had me laughing. She said, it doesn't matter. The right man is not going to reject you. And the ones that are unworthy of you, they will reject you. But you know what? So long, sucker. You don't need to be in my life if you're going to be so disrespectful of something so minor. She's like, I know I could lose weight. I'm in the process of it. But you know what? Everyone's in the process of something. And so you deserve to be loved right now as a queen that you are. And I'm going to say this both sides. You, you deserve to be loved as the king that you are. Okay. So, you know, if you have like insecurities and unworthiness so write all the shit down and then work on it and flip the script on yourself. Like, you know what? It doesn't matter. You know, I'm doing my best. I'm getting better. I'm improving myself in my life. 
I'm working on it, but I know I'm a damn good catch. I am fine as fuck. I am intelligent and I am sexy and I am worthy, you know? So then you start in with your affirmations. Now, if some of the stuff comes from your childhood, this is what I want you to do. Or if you want to do it, you can do it. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but this I've done inner child work. It's hard because it's emotional. It's deep, deep, deep shadow work. Okay. So you can have an inner child or an inner guide help you. If you are, um, not ready for the inner child, that's okay. You could start with an inner guide, your spiritual guide, ask your spiritual guide or your inner guide to come and help you, uh, heal those things, but reveal them to you. Go into a deep trance, a deep meditation. You can use music for this incense, candles, music, whatever you need. And just get in a very relaxed state where you're going to be for like an hour. Make sure you have a notebook and a pen or, you know, you know, a couple pieces of paper and a pen. You're going to write some notes and go, I feel unworthy. Where does it come from? And ask your guide to help you. And when you get ready, ask your inner child. That's you when you were little, you know, the you that was there, you know, you could say, okay, little, you know, little Betty or little Johnny, whatever your name is, insert your own name here. I'd like to know where, um, this, uh, insecurity that my spouse is cheating on me comes from. And it might go, remember when that happened, when your father accused your stepmother of cheating or your, your, or vice versa, or your mom was cheating and you caught her and how that made you feel. And then that's what you thought forevermore. And it's not your fault. Most of these, most of the shit that happened to you in childhood is not your fault. And that's what your little child might be confused on. So once your little child tells you what happened and then you could turn around and be the adult and tell your inner child, well, you know what? It wasn't your fault. You deserve love. You're made from love. You are loved. And the people in your life weren't right. And you tell your inner child that, and then you imagine you're hugging and holding your inner child and you integrate that love between you and who you used to be. And that's very deep, very deep, deep, deep shadow work that will help you get over all of the things, the jealousy and the insecurity and the feeling of unworthiness. It will help you get rid of everything. So, and once you clear it all away and imagine like puffy white clouds, you could write all these things on puffy white clouds and imagine them sending them away with your inner child. You could laugh about it or you can imagine it floating away in a helium balloon. And then you could fill that up with affirmations. I am lovable. I am a queen. I am a king. I am lovable. I am pure love. I deserve a good relationship. I deserve respect. I deserve to be honored. I deserve every good thing in this world and every good thing in this life. And you do. And that's how you do that. My friends. Thank you for tuning in to Metaphysical Soul Speak, the podcast. Thank you for those of you who do forward this to others and let people know about the show. I appreciate that. If you need to get in touch with me, the best way 
is to contact me on Instagram at mermaidgirl888 and um, just DM me. I have not been able to answer any of you for about two days now, about a day and a half, because I'm very, very busy. Um, and I'll get, try to get to you as soon as possible. I still love you and I will get back to you soon. So don't worry if you did write me, uh, six of you have written me. I saw, you know, when I went to listen to good vibrations today, (laughs) messages from your person reading, I find her voice very calming in the mornings while I'm doing my morning routine, washing my dishes and getting dressed, brushing my teeth, that sort of thing. Um, If you ever want to look into that, if you're a twin flame and you're wanting to know what the other half of you is thinking, she's pretty good. She's actually pretty good. Good vibrations. The OO and good are actually eights. (laughs) So I highly recommend her. Anyway, um, that's it for now. I hope you've enjoyed the show. That's all she wrote by she, I mean me. I love each and every one of you. And I want to thank you for continuing to tune in and for your continued faith and trust in myself and my abilities. I hear I'm here doing this for you. I'm here to serve humanity and this is how I'm doing it. So I love you guys so much. Thank you for being on the spiritual journey with me and I will be back tomorrow with all unique and original programming, just like always. And I do believe tomorrow we're already here to the earth changes and the weekly weird world news report. So with that, I'm signing off with peace and joy and the high vibes of the Holy fifth dimension until next time, guys, peace. Metaphysical Soul Speak is run on sponsors and listener support. This means listeners like you. If you are so inclined to support my efforts and my little podcast, please visit me at anchor.fm forward slash metaphysical and pledge an amount of your choosing today. Thank you.